start with our first main topic. I kind of added in the Academy itself because I want to know more about it. Uh, we've already got plugged in here the people responsible for the Academy, the Silver Age paradigm, and the Bronze Age paradigm, who is currently in charge of the Academy. So, Andy, since these are your brain children, why don't you tell us a little bit about them? The way I was saying them is the uh, Silver Age paradigm. She uses she, her pronouns. I haven't come up with her regular civilian name, I suppose. She's probably in like her mid to late 40s, I think. Is that appropriate for Silver Age? I forget how that translates into specific years. She'd probably be closer to her 60s at this point. Okay, then yeah, throw her up into her 60s. She is a black woman. She wears like a silver suit, sort of like a bodysuit type of deal. Very reminiscent of Storm from the X-Men. Also with her uh, weather manipulation powers. Like, she's not active, but she's sort of in that position where, like, if she needed to, she could step into battle. But she's not, like, going out doing street patrols or anything like that. So I suppose the best way to describe that would be, like, semi-retired or mostly retired? Yeah, semi-retired works. As far as the uh, Bronze Age paradigm, he is... Well, he uses he, him pronouns. Again, I have not come up with a civilian name for him just yet. He is very reminiscent of, like, your sort of Superman or All Might from My Hero Academia, where his powers are basically being a superhero. He is, like, his nickname in comics would be The Man Beyond. He's got, like, super strength, durability, speed... All of that good stuff that you would want a superhero to have. Okay, and what does he look like? He is a white guy, has uh, sort of like medium-length dark hair, uh, starting to gray around the temples. He is very, like, not Rob Liefeld buff, but getting close to it. Uh, very much drawn with, like, bulging muscles. Uh, he wears, like sort of a red and silver suit since he was brought into sort of the superhero world by the Silver Age paradigm. He takes some costume cues from her, but also like sort of turns it around and makes it into his own. All right. Very cool. Is he actively heroing or is he just an administrator at the school? He is, I'd imagine, very stretched thin. He is the headmaster of Paradigm Academy, but also, like, he tries to sort of let other heroes take care of things where they can, but he has a hard time sort of letting go and sitting back. Semi-active, how's that? <laughs> yeah, he leans definitely more towards the active side. All right, cool. Uh, so let's go around the table now, I guess, and we'll... Uh... Get some more suggestions. I'd like for everyone to contribute at least one suggestion for each focus. But if you don't have anything, I don't want you to try to force yourself to come up with something. So let's go to the next person on the list in the chat that I can see. Uh, so that'll bring us to Caitlin now. Yes. Good job. <laughs> All right. So I have put a location in. 
that location is the Paradigm Academy Pier. Uh, since our academy is in the middle of a lake, obviously we need a pier for the ferries to go from the city to the academy and back and forth. But not only is it a functioning pier, there's also like an arcade with some standard games like skee ball and whack-a-mole and air hockey, a couple of food stands, a like one screen movie theater, uh, sort of like things that teenagers and kids might like to hang out at. Uh, and this is kind of like a safe place for the students to spend their free time and hang out with each other without um you know, kind of being in the confines of being in the city and having to be super careful about their powers or anything. Awesome. That sounds great. Uh, and I see we've already got that in there. Awesome. Okay. Now the two, now we come to the two people whose actual names I don't know. So Hamilton, what is your, what is, what do you prefer to be called? Yo, hi, I'm D I'm DJ. DJ. Okay, cool. So DJ, do you have anything, uh, off the top of your head that you'd like to contribute to the academy itself there is a uh where we're you know an island uh there's a cave on the side of the island that's that's rather hard to get to so the only way that you can get there is like scaling the wall or flying in and uh inside there is just a very calm serene area with a waterfall and natural spring in it a natural hot spring do you have a specific name for the caves echo caverns echo caverns and so you said this is like a this is like a meditation area. Yep, it's uh, it's very calm. Uh, people, there's very not not a whole lot of people go there because it's hard to get to. So it's uh, very out of the way. So you can go there to meditate. You can go there to chill out in the hot springs. Just just a little R and R. Okay, I'm gonna ask for a little bit more. Do is there maybe a specific person that is that that like frequents that area to kind of give us an npc poll or maybe there's a specific event that occurred there in the past and uh, if so what what age did it occur in? what it is is uh the hot springs actually help heal wounds there was there was someone during the golden age that from what research has been done on the bones that died there uh, and their their powers was to heal, and so their essence and their magic is kind of flowing through this hot spring. Quinn, what is your what is your preferred normal person name? How dare you? Uh, my name is Weaver, but most people call me Eve. Let's add a person because not I feel like not a lot of people have added more people. So let's. I have an idea. So vice principal. Like the person that you typically deal with before you get to the principal, let's say that they were descendant from like major superheroes, possibly even one of the previous paradigms, but they just didn't get any powers. Oh, okay. So are we thinking, uh, what are we thinking as far as uh, this person's pronouns? Let's go with he, him, his, because I'm seeing a few she, hers. So let's do a he, him, his. Okay. So we've got, uh, I'm just going to put Nor Normie for now. Maybe, maybe, maybe his name is Norman. I like it. So put salt in the wound. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe his name, maybe his name is Norman. <laughs> uh, question marks on the last name uh, for now, because, uh, and, this, and this might tie us back to our, our, maybe, maybe the gold age 
paradigm even. What do you got, Andy? I was just going to say, can we pull in Incredibles and give him the last name like Par or something very like average and mundane? <gasps> just like really throw it in there. Norman Parr with two R's. That is going to get my pun-making ass in so much trouble. <laughs> I like it. Great. I love it. Uh, all right. So uh, Norman Parr. Uh, what are we? What are we gonna? What are we calling unpowered peoples? Boring citizen. Yeah, let's just say, let's just call them call him a citizen. He was probably born in the Silver Age, right? Uh, yes. All right. So let's let's make Norman Parr a little older than our our head our headmaster, uh, the Bronze Age paradigm, and uh, so we'll we'll make him fifty. Uh, what's, what's he look like? Uh, I'm going to say that he's wiry and very thin. Uh, he's obviously kind of succumbing to stress. He has very like dark gray hair, uh, that's kind of starting to thin. And I'm going to say that he, uh, it's unusual to see him not wearing some kind of like a plaid vest. <laughs> Just for added flavor. Frequently wears plaid vests. All right. Vanessa. Did you were you able to come up with anything? Yeah, so I was thinking about for an event. I don't know if this happens once a year or if it's like every couple of years. I'd say probably every couple of years. Since we have a rival villain school, I think that um every couple of years, like Paradigm and maybe some select faculty and whoever is the head of the villain school get together to basically be like, hey, can we come to agreement? maybe stop being evil and teaching other kids to be evil. And it always falls apart, but they still try. Biennial. That's that's every two years. Biennial. Super Educators Summit. And uh do we have an idea of whom of who may be or who maybe established that? Like what what era did that get established in, do you think? I wanna say like I think when Silver Paradigm like first became Paradigm uh, he established it because he was very like idealistic and young, and he was like, "If we just talk to them, maybe this can work." And then, uh, Silver Silver Era is uh, is the uh, is an African American woman. Oh, I thought. Oh, I think I'm mixing up silver and bronze. No, you're good. So you want it to be bronze? Yeah, make it bronze. All right, cool. Let's turn our focus to the rival school, which we have not named yet. Does anybody have an idea for a name for the rival school? Googling antonyms of paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick question: They're a rival school. Are they like? Are they inherently evil, or are they just like that's the way the cookie crumbles type of deal? So. The way that I was thinking about it is uh if you guys are familiar with uh if you guys are familiar with X-Men Evolution, uh Mystique was the vice principal, I think, in, in X-Men Evolution. Maybe the maybe the actual principal. Um and so there was a so I'm thinking that maybe the school itself is probably intended to be just a regular school. It's probably not even specifically super powered, but I th I'm thinking that maybe out of that school, 
there there are a lot of villains that are produced because it is run by villains. <laughs> I have an idea. You can go ahead, Vanessa, if you want. I was just going to make a joke that it's like Slytherin, where technically it's supposed to just be if you're ambitious, but sure produces a lot of Death Eaters. <laughs> right. As a Slytherin, I feel personally attacked by <laughs> As you should. But I was going to say, how about we have it so that, like, Paradigm Academy is specifically for people wanting to, like, walk in one of the Paradigm's shoes and kind of, like, attain that, that level of renown, whereas the uh, uh, other school, our rival school, kind of sees all of that as, like, unnecessary pomp. It's like you're just being, they see us as just pretentious and, and corporate. They're just being elitist. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I like that. That's what I was thinking. That way it's like, it's not specifically that they're villains. It's just that they have a, their own idea of what it means to be a hero. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. So uh, we'll, we'll table the, the naming of the school for now, and we can come back to it if someone comes up with, a, comes up with an idea. Uh, so let's go back around. Uh, this time, let's start, let's start with Eve uh, and uh, see, see if she's got a... So I actually do. I have an idea for the uh, headmaster. Okay. Um, so I was thinking that the headmaster is someone who was like very well known for being a superhero. And she had just this tremendous fall from grace. And now she's known as Atrocia. Okay. And is this, an, this is, is this a, a questionable questionable like quotations villain or is she absolutely without a doubt a villain uh i'm gonna say that she's absolutely without a doubt a villain okay and what age did she rise to prominence? what was the one that was just before was that the gold bronze is just before the the modern times where you guys are now just coming up as heroes okay then she was in the bronze age okay so pronouns are she her okay what is what is her uh, her real name Let's go with let's go with Amanda Crown, and she's Bronze Age. So that would put her put her around maybe late thirties, early to mid forties. Let's do thirty eight. She was very ambitious. She rose to power very abruptly and fell just as quickly. Okay, and what's her what's her what does she look like? Uh, so she has embraced the monster that is inside of her. She, uh, her skin is mottled. It looks like stone and clay. She's very tall. She's just a, a very imposing figure. She also has gigantic hands. All right. And, uh, I'm assuming her powers have something to do with clay or, or stone, uh, to have the appearance that she does. Yeah, I was actually going to say um, subset of transmuting flesh. I was going to say that she has a, a clay or stone-like skin uh, and superhuman strength and uh, improved durability. And is she still actively villaining or is she just a school administrator? Uh, she's no longer active. She was kind of, I imagine that she was kind of threatened with like a, you need to step down or we're going to make you step down. And she was like, fine, those who can't do, teach. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Very cool. All right. That's going to bring us to DJ. What do you got for us? 
So there is a uh, a professor that goes to this rival school who actually went to Paradigm Academy. So I guess he would be in the Bronze Age as well. Um, he is there to... Uh, he's basically doing his best to undermine Paradigm Academy with all the uh, the students that go to this school because they are elitists. They need to be shown, you know, what their uh, what they are and what everybody believes about them is wrong. He's very very much advocate against this uh, this elitist school. Does he does he have a a, a hood name? Uh, yes, and uh, that is uh, Luminescence, and his ability is he is able to uh, to control neon lights uh, and and manipulate them. Uh, well, not manipulate; he creates them rather. Um, his he is in a suit of uh, black and uh, and neon green like neon green highlights on the armor. Um, and he is never seen out of it because he is actually, uh, uh, his abilities, ha he's, he's a transformed pretty much, uh, where his body has basically become neon light. And this, uh, this suit is what keeps him from dying pretty much. It, it locks in that neon light inside. All right. So he has a containment suit. Uh, what what uh, what race was he before he was transformed? Uh, he was uh, he was a black fellow. So he said his entire body has been turned to neon light, basically. Yes. He sounds pretty noble. <laughs> a science joke. Yay, chemistry. Okay, uh, how old is he? Uh, he's roughly around the age of thirty-one. Yeah, he's thirty-one. Okay, so oh, so he was so he was real young in the Bronze Age. Yes. All right. And uh, what is his what is his street name? What is his name when he's not behind the mask? Or I suppose he's I suppose he's always Luminescence now. But what was his name before he was horribly transformed? Uh, it was originally uh, Jackson. Um, Jackson. Can it be Jackson Monroe? Sure. That way he's named after two presidents. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Jackson Monroe. All right. And uh, is he, he, so he is, so he is, uh, you said he's one of the school administrators there? Uh, yes. Okay. And is when he when he's not at the school, is he still an active villain? No, he is more of uh I guess you would think more of a protester. He he doesn't uh he doesn't do villainy anymore. Um he's more just trying to bring down Paradigm Academy or open it up more. Activist. There we go. Alright. Cool. Uh I have one more question for you. How did how did his powers come about um he he was born with them um though he he didn't really know how to control them so what caused the uh uh 
for his body to become what it was is he created such a devastating attack on somebody that it just burned away his his body and uh someone was able to contain his essence to put it into the suit that's going to bring us to caitlin all right so i also have a person but this one's a student because i'm totally not trying to make villain love interests for us nope (laughs) Uh, i did put villain in quotation marks though since we've established that this is not technically a villain school anyways the uh she is uh paparazzi aka marisa cardosa uh she's a 16 year old girl a 16 year old girl um hispanic tall dresses like a punk rock princess all the time winged eyeliner is always on point and basically has a gopro uh permanently stuck to her some way or another because she is always live streaming uh, her powers are gadgets specifically around stunning people, uh, psychic constructs, and being able to track people and things. And there's a rumor that she originally applied to Paradigm and totally flopped because another live streamer had something major going on at the same time, so she couldn't use her awesome star powers. And uh, Marisa got denied from going to Paradigm, and that's how she ended up at the rival school. Very cool. I'm excited to to learn more about her uh all right so that's going to bring us to vanessa um so i think that recently there was some sort of possible like possibly prank gone wrong like the source hasn't been found yet but basically at this rival academy or school or whatever the fire alarm was like essentially set off or pulled which drove a lot of people out of school but also a pipe burst and flooded one of the rooms and caused some water damage so animosity between the school two schools is particularly high right now because they definitely blame one or several paradigm students for doing it but the source of this hasn't been found yet all right, so maybe 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 this is a result of a prank war. Do we have an ongoing prank war between the schools, like the students? The the teachers are, are actively like trying to suss things out between themselves, but the students are just like, no, this has been going on forever, or at least for as long as we know time has existed because we're kids. So uh, we're gonna go prank those fuckers. Yeah, I think there's definitely, like, an active prank war going on. Okay. We'll have to figure out it. We'll have to figure out uh, a name, like a a proper name for the prank war. Uh, That is going to bring us to Andy. Okay, so I actually want to throw an organization out there. The way I'm imagining it is there is a group within this rival school that we haven't named yet. They call themselves... uh, the line or the defensive line, if you want to use their sort of quote unquote full name, they are a group of, well, they consider themselves heroes, but their actual like means are pretty questionable. They very much subscribe to the idea of the ends justify the means and they will do 
whatever it takes to stop what they view as evildoers, whether that person is actually evil or not, is sort of up to interpretation. All right. The defense, the defensive line. Is it safe to assume this is this is made up of mostly sports ball dudes? <laughs> yeah, I imagine it's mostly uh, jocks or jock adjacent people. All right, so we'll cut. We'll come back to that uh, at a later time and and come up with a name. But for now, we're going to shift our focus uh, and. Since we since we've gotten to through the two ones that I that I kind of really wanted to focus on, uh, I'm going to turn the table over to the person who suggested epic moments in Zenith history. Who was that? I believe that was me. All right, Andy, you've got you've got the lens. So uh, we'll uh, we'll leave it we'll leave it up to you to uh, to lead us in this round. Okay, so. You want me to basically take over what you've been doing, then? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, let's go ahead and start off. Well, I guess what I'm really looking forward or looking for, or what I thought of when I decided on this as sort of epic moments, is like you think through like Marvel's history. You've got like your big moments that everybody thinks of your sort of like iconic arcs and stuff and just like the stuff that would sort of define like the history of Marvel comics. So that's the kind of stuff I had in mind of just like if you were going to a history class at one of these schools, the type of stuff you'd expect to learn about. Uh, Eve, do you want to start us off with this one? I'm having a little bit of trouble following and I'm not sure why. Um, I can share what I came up with, and you can see if it's kind of in line with what you were thinking. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. So I came up with a cover that also has a location by association. Uh, the cover title is First Contact, and this was during the Silver Age. Uh, the scene is Zenith Beach, which is the public beach near the city that everyone goes to when they want to hang out and get some sand and sun. Uh, and there is a huge alien ship crash landed into the beach, and just a bunch of like average citizens standing around staring in awe. And this was the first time aliens came into contact with Zenith City. Maybe it happened, you know, somewhere else far away, uh, but this is the first contact that aliens made with Zenith City. Um, so that's why I was thinking it was kind of an epic moment for Zenith history is because, you know, this is something you'd learn about in that class. Um, this is like a major turning point where we go beyond globalization to universalization. Um, and so then the location by association, Zenith Beach, which is where everyone goes to hang out at the beach. Yeah, that is exactly the type of stuff I had in mind when I picked this focus. Uh, basically, like your sort of first major events through history or like things that would be viewed as like turning points. Uh, like if you were going to make like a top whatever moments in Zenith Bay, the type of stuff that might appear on one of those lists. 
So I have an idea for a place where it's like a moment in time where heroes and villains really came together. And let's, I want to say that um, a long time ago, this is like a story. Uh, a, lo a long time ago, there was this, um, this, this basically like an apocalypse coming in. And the only two people that had the power to stop it were on opposite ends of the spectrum. They both wanted to stop it, but they couldn't do it by themselves. So they had to work together. And in working together, they both sacrificed themselves. But in doing so, they didn't just die. They were actually basically fossilized. And so now there's a location, like maybe like in a forest or in a glade, where it's just like, there's these, what everybody assumed were statues of these two people embracing each other. And it actually turns out that it was the, the like two people who had, who had stopped this apocalypse from happening. Okay. Uh, do we have like names for either of those people or any details on what sort of apocalypse they put off? And also what generation was that? that that happened in? Uh, I would say gold age generation. Uh, so quite a while ago, I don't really have names for them because that requires me to come up with two different people's names and I, I don't have the mental faculty for that right now. Uh, I will look it up though and I'll add it in in, um, in a minute. But what was your other question? Uh, did you have an idea of like what sort of specific like any sort of details on the event that they held off. So I'm going to say that it was uh, like a, an evil dead God had found his way into the core of the earth and was ripping it apart from the inside out. And the only way that they could stop that from happening was to merge their powers together and basically create like a root system that reaches that reached deep enough into the earth to hold it all together and trap the the dead god. Wow, that is that is deep. Yeah, all the way to the earth's core. Like <laughs> that's about as deep as it goes. I'm trying so hard not to make the joke balls deep, but you guys are not making it easy. <laughs> <laughs> Can I piggyback off of that for my epic moment? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I was thinking maybe Zenith Bay is the first place to have someone with superpowers. Like, there might have been people with superpowers before, but they kept it under wraps and stuff like that. This this city was the first one where someone actually came out and was like, I have superpowers. I'm going to be a criminal and or stop crime. Um, and I like the idea that, like, the first person to come out with superpowers was a villain who basically thought that they would have no rival, no one could stop them. Um, and then shortly after, someone with, someone else's superpowers came out to fight against them, and then, like, the two of them built up a rivalry, and they're the two that had to stop this apocalypse. So the first two, they're the first hero and the first villain 
Did you have names you wanted to supply to them, or is that something we're going to delay a little bit longer? Yeah, we're going to have to work on that later. I'm real bad with names. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> okay, so we've got our reveal of supers as one of the uh, further epic moments in Zenith Bay history. DJ, did you have anything you'd like to throw out there? Yeah. So there is a um, there's a crystal that is roughly around uh, around the size of a house that is floating above Zenith Bay, and what it is is it was a meteorite or a meteor that was coming down to it wasn't it wasn't big enough for apocalyptic kind of style more just like save the city and the area around the city uh and during the uh the silver age a uh, a hero who went by the name of and funny enough it was uh the the name was Starchild it was a uh it was a white woman that shot herself like they, they used her power powers to try to stop the meteor and when she connected with it her strength and her powers erupted from her and hit the meteorite which caused the uh, the meteor and her to basically fuse and the pressure caused this crystal to form no one knows why it continues to float and like uh, rotate around Zenith Bay, but it does. The crystal uh, does not glow, but what happens is uh, it refracts light, so it it kind it seems like it does glow of mul uh, multiple colors, but it's because of just it being pretty much a giant prism in the sky. Okay, first of all, love that. Second of all, I do have a couple of questions. Did you put an age that this happened, or like did I miss Silver that? Age? Okay, so that happened in the Silver Age. You said that Star Star Child, Star Child, and this crystal like fused together. Did you mean that literally? Like, is she like inside of this crystal now? Uh, yes, you can see her uh, because where it is clear if you're up there and looking through it. So you can see her in there, but she's not moving. She doesn't have like she she doesn't look sad or angry. She it's kind of like a statue's in there. Okay, that sounds cool as shit. First of all, let's see. Was there anything else about this that we need to go over? I just wanted to add like a stupid little location i feel like there's a really um like convenient like hill or cliff that just has a perfect view of this crystal and that is going to be our makeout point nice Ooh, oh i have an addition to that addition okay so there um when everybody's all making out and everything up there they sometimes there's been spotted uh a man that's kind of dressed in uh, like he has a hoodie up and no one really gets to see him. He has been like quote air quotes apprehended at one point. Uh, but turns out that this was uh, this was her, her husband and this is the best place for him to see her. Oh, that's so sad. 
So, I think there was something I was going to ask, but I forgot because you broke my heart. Sorry. Okay, does anybody else have anything they want to add in relation to that? Or any questions about that sort of event? Slash location. Okay, there's got to be an organization that, like, worships this crystal. Like, somebody made a religion out of this. Okay, Caitlin, did you want to take point on that organization? Yeah, I guess I got to figure out what all is included in it. Okay, so she fused with the meteor and saved the city, right? So they probably worship Star Child as, like, some sort of jesus christ-like figure they are called the star children yeah i was gonna think i was gonna say children of the star but i like i'm gonna go with the star children okay so um they worship star child as like a saint slash godlike figure um occasionally have odd seances on the makeout point it's not a super popular religion, but there are some people who are very fanatic with are very fanatical with it. Okay. Uh do we have like a do they have like an ideology or anything or um I think their ideology is around uh protecting those who can't protect themselves. Um, in doing good. So, like, a lot of good comes out of this organization, but it's also just, like, creepy. Do they, like, think that they can bring Starchild out of the crystal? Or is that even... Yes, that's what the, 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 the weird seances are for. All right. Uh... And there's definitely some prophecy about the second coming of Starchild. Have they... Where's Eve to make a joke when I need her? <laughs> Have they seen any sort of progress towards that goal, or are they just kind of... No. Nope. No progress. Okay. Let's see. Does anybody have anything else they want to throw out as far as epic moments go? Uh, anybody with, like, the... In the, or rather, does anybody want to put anything under the masks and faces category or anything else in general that could fall under this focus? Well, we do we do have at least at least three that will need to be fleshed out. We have star we have star child, we have shockwave and the black sanction uh from from the various stories that we've told so far and i i guess maybe a fourth if we want to describe who the first super powered individual was so i'll make i'll make note of them and we can come back and kind of flesh them out later sounds good to me all right then that's going to bring us to our next focus which is local landmarks and in parentheses, also attractive people. Which I believe was Eve's suggestion. Yeah. Care to take it away, Eve? You can you can also include your own your own suggestions for this. 
Uh, okay, so why don't we go ahead and start off with, because uh, I'm pretty sure that Vanessa added a few people, a few things to this section already. Uh, was that you, Vanessa? Nope, that was Caitlin. <gasps> Caitlin. Okay, why don't we start with why don't we start with Caitlin and you can tell us about the things that you've added. All right, so we're going to start with the location before we go into the people. Um, so the location is the Moonlit Flower Trail. Uh, so this is not a stable location. It moves around all of the time, but it's really, really cool. Um, these are trails that appear throughout Zenith on full moons in different places. And they're uh, marked by fla uh, flowers that glow. And when you find the first flower, you get to find the next and the next, and they gradually get closer and like more vibrant and fuller and more of them. Uh, and the cityscape kind of fades away as you follow this flower trail. And if you follow it to the end, you'll end up with a garden with a moonlit high tea curated in a secret grove grove by uh, two people who are Foxglove and Narcissus. Which brings us to those people uh, who are aliens. Foxglove is she, her, and Narcissus is he, him. Um, they go by those names. There's no other aliases. Nobody really knows how old they are, um, but they're both tall humanoid creatures that have like pale uh, yellow and white skin and uh, garments that grow out of themselves naturally that match their namesake flowers. Uh, the air around both of them always smells floral and tends to have an easing effect on those near them. Uh, powers are listed as the floral pocket dimension and being attractive. Uh, they are active in the city as they seem to keep summoning up these trails every month. Uh, the two of them are twin aliens and no one is really sure how old they are or how long they'll even be here on Earth. But there's a general consensus on like chat boards on the Internet that both of them are very attractive if you are the adventurous type. I like the fact that there's actually like online discussions <laughs> about it. I mean, it's like a whole thing. Like... <laughs> There's that it's like geocaching, but you only gonna do it once a month. <laughs> That's I like that. I like that a lot. Uh does anybody have does anybody have anything that they're ready to share? Yes. Okay, let's go to that. So there is no one really knows who this person is that's doing this, but there is uh impromptu concerts that happen like throughout Zenith Bay. It's not one particular location, but they whenever it starts to happen, it is there's there's a, a person. Sometimes it looks like a man, sometimes it looks like a woman. It's it's hard to determine who it is, but they always wear the same mask. And the mask is like that of a deer skull with the antlers sticking out. And they they create out of, out of seemingly nothing, these platforms and the the electronics for all of the uh, the music, and they will put on an impromptu concert that kind of when people are in the area, it kind of makes them dance to the music, kind of against their will. But it's not like it's not like a bad thing. It is not. It doesn't hurt anybody because of where you can't really see their face. They're they have. A really nice body whenever they look either female or male so it leans towards the that they're attractive and that's kind of what catches people's attention and draws them into the music because once their attention is caught by this 
this, they, they're they pulled into it. So I really like that. I've got an idea for a location, if we are open for that. Go for it, Andy. Okay, so we had first contact on the uh, beach of Zenith Bay. I like the idea of, like, one of the... I guess calling them UFOs now wouldn't be entirely accurate. The uh, dropships, I guess, to have been, like, left behind. Like, maybe it's anchored out into the bay somehow as, like, a forbidden place that people aren't supposed to go. I don't know. I just really like the idea of, like, this alien spaceship just kind of chilling out in the bay just off of the beach. Okay, that raises a couple of questions. Would people be able to get into the ship? I think there's probably a way to get in. I don't think it's common knowledge. I'm not sure. Like, I don't think it's like you can just swim out and there's going to be like a set of stairs you can walk up. I don't know exactly how you would get inside of it, but I feel like it would be possible. It's just not like something your average person would be able to do. So it's not obviously accessible. Right. Okay. But it's still very much heavily, heavily discouraged, if not like outright illegal for people to like try to go inside of it. So is it like on the ground or is it like in the sky or is it like underwater? I was imagining it kind of like it's attached to the ground under the water, but it's like the actual spaceship part of it is slightly above the water, but it's got, I guess, legs or like some sort of supports that go down and anchor it into the uh, seabed. Okay, so it's like it's on the ground and it's anchored in and it's just this like, is it the typical like flying saucer? Yeah, I was kind of imagining it as like a big circular type of backyard grill looking spaceship. We could call it the submerged saucer. I like that. So there's uh, this submerged saucer with no obvious way in, but we're pretty sure there's an inside. Are there still like aliens inside or are they like gone? That's a good question. Ooh, mystery. I also like the idea of like, there's uh, uh, urban legends where like, Kids will say that they, like, see lights on inside of it, and, like, there's a lot of rumors that go around about it. I like that. I'm imagining kids probably, like, dare each other to go out towards it and that type of thing. Very, uh, Boo Radley's house in To Kill a Mockingbird. I really, that's interesting. I I feel like we're going to have fun with that one. Um. Because I think we only have one person left. My turn? Yep, your turn. Okay. So, um, for location, I imagine back in, like, early Bronze Age of the school, a kid named Wallace Kipling went to the cave that's, like, on the side of the island that the school is on. And rumor goes that he found 
a secret like entrance or something into a underground cave system that actually is underneath all of Zenith Bay, but no one else ever found this secret entrance or him ever again. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. So I, I love this. Okay. So, um, so this, this kid, what was his name? Wallace Kipling went missing. How old was, was Wallace when he went missing? Was he like, I guess my biggest question is, was he attending school at Paradigm when he went missing? Yeah, he was attending school. I'm going to say he was like 14, um, fancied himself kind of like a kid detective and was never seen ever again. <laughs> so is there any other information that you can give us on the uh, the tunnels? Has anybody ever discovered like another outlet or has there ever been discussions about like other outlets or like what's actually in them? There's like rumors like whenever someone starts building like a building or something and construction stops rumors spread that may or may not be true that they had to stop because if they dug deeper for the foundation they would have gone into the caves beneath the city so there's stuff like that like so far everything has just been rumors no one has officially found another entrance to this cave system that supposedly exists under the city so this is going to sound a little bit like a I don't want this to sound like an invalidation kind of thing. If he went missing, how did people know about the cave mouth? I mean, it's just a rumor. Oh. Cuz the there's the cave that's on the side of the island that we established is kind of just like a place that people chill and so just someone in the bronze age there there's like they say that like Wallace was with a friend who like chickened out and didn't go in. They also say that Wallace was alone and the cave collapsed behind him. Dude, can um, we have some like found footage camcorder that washed up on like the island or something? <laughs> I think that's cool. Um, yeah, just like an old like, oh, I don't even know, like, would a VH VHS tape like survive water damage? It's a comic book, damn it. <laughs> okay, then yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think, like, there's some, yeah, there's, like, some old, like, footage or something from, um, like, a camcorder, but, like, it was water damaged, um, or just terrible quality to begin with, so people are saying that it's fake and that someone just, like, shot it in, like, the cave where we all already hang out or, like, that it was done in a studio, just rumors abound. Interesting. So this is kind of the Blair Witch of the like London under underground, except it's under Zenith Bay. Well, it's under the entire island. Yeah, under our islands, like under the water and under the city as well. Like it, it connects the two underneath the water. Uh, all right, cool. So that is going to bring us to the next, uh, the next thing, uh, major organizations. Who was, uh, who was the, uh, suggester of major organizations? That was me. 
All right, Caitlin, you got the lens. Yay. Don't sound so excited. All right. <laughs> this is supposed to be like the one game I'm in that I don't GM. Okay, that's a lie. I'm, I'm in other games too. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Um, I mean, I have something ready, but I want to hear what other people have first. Does anybody uh, have any ideas? I have an idea. Yay! Tell me about it. I oh god, I just thought of it now. Um, so I don't have a name for it, but I imagine that there's like a support group for people that are transformed. Just like they meet once a month and talk about their problems and stuff. I just think that's a nice, wholesome thing. So was it like a uh, popular or well-known, I guess is the better word, transformed who started this? Or is this a fairly new thing? Um, I'm going to say that it started in the last five years, um, but it is because of a... Okay, so I don't want to make this too dark. Okay, so I think there is a Bronze Age transformed who was like a pretty big hero in their time and then like around the early 2000s just kind of had a breakdown and had a lot of problems like went away to probably like rehab for a while came back and is doing much better and started this group for other transformed Awesome. Given time, I can come up with names for things, but I just have no names in me right now. Hey, it it is all good. Um, so this transformed. I I, I know you said you don't have names right now. Uh, are they still an active hero? Um, no. I think now they just focus on, um, the support group. Um, they've probably started like a foundation to just help like transformed kids and people but maybe also just kind of like just like troubled youth maybe they have two foundations i don't know um but just like they're focusing more on their community out their out, community outreach work um cuz i think the hero life was just too stressful for them all right dj you have something Yes. Uh, so there is a uh, secret organization. Um, it uh, there's whispers about it. it. No one knows if it's true or not, but they may actually be one of. People think that this is what was behind that apocalyptic uh, creature or the old dead god that tried to destroy the world. Um, people believe that it is rumored to be from them and the group name is Kelthlob. I put it in the the chat. Thank you. And they are a uh an organization that uses uh well human sacrifice to bring creatures from the unknown, from the void, from hell, from any place that they can to cause havoc upon the world. Um, do is there any like known drive as to why they're doing this, or is it just like a a thing? 
no, nothing that anybody knows of yet. There's there may be um, you know someone may have an idea, but no one truly knows. Cool. Can I go? Yes, please do. Okay, so there was a hero in the Silver Age known as Dr. Phantasma. He was a, well, still is, a Native American man. Uh, he, him, his pronouns. He lost a wife and child. Uh through some sort of accident slash tragedy. Uh, he went into research on connections between this plane and the afterlife. He made contact with ghosts, got sort of like ghost spectral powers, but then later on would go on to found a group called the Phantasmal Force. Uh, they are a sort of quasi-militaristic, that's the word I was looking for, uh, slash off-government organization. Sort of like if S.H.I.E.L.D. completely focused on ghosts instead of super-powered people. So, like, they fight... It's, uh... Agent Fury and his Howling Commando yes. style. That sounds awesome. All right, yeah, I, I see edits are being made, which is good. I'm I'm doing my best just to take notes as we're going. <laughs> Who are the other members of the Phantasmal Force? Do you have ideas? I have not fleshed that out yet. If you give me a chance to think about it at work tomorrow, though, I'll probably have a bunch of them. Sure. Uh, Vanessa or Eve, are either of you good to go? If not, I can share mine. Or Thomas, if you have something. I have an idea. All right. Hit me with it. So I have an idea for a place uh, that houses a, a an organization that is like, I guess the best way to, to, to explain it is that they like do their best to embody neutrality. And they do so by kind of creating a sort of hive mind where they all balance each other out. And I was going, I had an idea to call it the uh, Sanctuary of Symbiosis. How do people, like, can anybody join this hive mind? Like, how does this work? <laughs> uh, so the head of the sanctuary is is a woman named Salome. And she has immense uh, telepathic abilities. And she has the ability to kind of join people's minds together. And how long has this been around? Uh, let's say it's been around since the Silver Age. So Salome is definitely, she's kind of getting up there, but most of the people there are, they tend to, to like run the gamut of ages. There's a lot of people who are very young. Uh, there's a lot of people who join because they're not sure if they can control their powers. And so they're afraid of like, if they lean too far to being a superhero what if they lose control and they accidentally hurt people or what if they lean too far into being a supervillain and they accidentally like destroy the world and they don't want to do either of those so they aim for neutrality and they kind of share their their burden with everybody there what do you guys think i've i've really uh, i really like it yeah. does the like 
the sanctuary of symbiosis is that used interchangeably both for the group and the location where the group resides. Uh, so I imagine that the group is called, uh, we most people just call them like the symbiotes. The actual place, people just call it the sanctuary. And it's like this huge, like open place where it's like anybody can go there. Uh, there are very strict rules about like, you know, you're not allowed to to fight. You're not allowed to, once you're inside, you're not allowed to use your powers unless specifically asked to do so uh, by one of the members. Cool. I dig it. Well, I will go ahead and share mine real quick. So my organization started in the Golden Age. It is called Host, which is Heroes Overseeing Sensational Times. So imagine if Big Brothers and Big Sisters was done by superheroes. You get host. It's a philanthropic philanthropic arms of supers founded by Golden Dive, who was a Golden Age hero, to provide opportunities and hope to the disadvantaged youth of the city. Uh, it was a real strong group in the Golden Age, and it's just slowly lost steam and social standing. The group's still together, though, hasn't been disbanded yet, and it's currently being led by one of Golden Dive's grandchildren, Ruby Kick. But people just kind of like make fun of Host anymore. It's a joke more than anything. So Golden Dive was a Golden Age hero. She, her pronouns, real name was Mizey Kier. She passed in 2004 from natural causes. Her powers were flight-based. Ruby Kick is they, them, theirs. Nobody knows exactly who Ruby is. They know that Ruby is part of, like, Golden Dive's legacy, and that's about it. Uh, Ruby Kick goes to extreme lutes to hide their actual identity. And they have fire powers and unparalleled fighting abilities and somehow ended up leading host. They're not even sure how they ended up with it. <laughs> All right, cool. Does anybody else have anything that they want to add to the topic of organizations, both super and mundane? We've got a lot of super organizations. Do we have any like mundane person support groups? What about a support group that's like specifically for non-powered people of super-powered parents? Or like just people who are like related to a super superhero that need like an outlet to to be like, hey, my kid is a superhero and they're going out there and doing shit that makes me like freak out every day and I need other parents to talk to. Yeah, that's a I think that's a great idea. Until we have until we have a proper name. Normie parent support group. What about? Uh, I mean, this might this might be a tough uh, be a tough one, but I mean, there's obvious parallels between powered and unpowered individuals and in any sort of minority group. Do we have and do we have any uh, super powered hate well, groups? Um, not that I actually have had an idea for for something else that's not that though. Okay. Um. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, mine was more of like uh, an outreach program from uh, the Supers trying to uh, kind of like mainly get get the public to know them. Like they, they help out in the public. Uh, they do stuff for people and um, – Something like that to where it's like, oh, yeah, they look up to these superheroes, but these superheroes not only defend us, but they're also, you know, 
they it's like kind of like make a wish foundation stuff like that that the the super that the supers would do for the the mundanes okay super make a wish i was gonna uh i had the idea of the uh the outstretched arms as their name as in like trying to embrace you and show you that that they love they love they love you all just as much as you all love them Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> I also have a not hate group idea, and I'll try to come up with a hate group idea as well. We don't, we don't have to have a hate group. <laughs> well, you know, this 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 group could actually kind of veer a little towards generally not liking supers. I like the idea of there being a group of like pro bono lawyers that help people whose houses have been destroyed by super activity, lobby the local government to like get reimbursement or like work with their insurance companies to get reimbursement. Because uh, I feel like a lot of times companies are going to be like, well, you know, that's what you get for living in Santa Fe, you know, it's supers that happens. Um, so I like this idea of there just being like a group of lawyers who are just completely normal people who are like, no, screw this, super suck, I'm going to help you get your money. <laughs> In a similar vein, I feel like there would be maybe like a, uh, almost like a Habitat for Humanity type of organization that like does charity work to rebuild what has been sort of destroyed as collateral damage. So I, to so I, to so I totally, uh, called the, the, this kind of super damage group. Survivors of Supers, SOS. Love it. <laughs> That's great. I also love that Survivors of Supers just gives, like, they're definitely not evil, but they're also, like... They also totally wrecked my home. Yeah, the connotation of being a survivor is just, like, I don't know, it feels like they're putting Supers on the level of, like, almost like cancer it's like a cancer survivor and then like there's also these other survivors i don't know just like it says a lot about the way that they view supers in general all right wow we've got a lot we've got a lot on this topic i think i think we've got a lot to go on here there's uh there's even more stuff for uh to, to flesh out. So I think we can move on to our next topic, which is super sports, uh, which I believe was DJ's suggestion. So take it away, DJ. All right. Um, so let me, let me ask this. Does anybody have any ideas on, on things? Cause I, I've, uh, I thought a lot about it and I would like to kind of like everyone else. I'd like to hear your opinions first. I've got a villain I'd like to throw out there. Let's hear it. Okay, well, he is not currently active because he was a Golden Age villain. Uh, back when baseball was, like, the sport, I imagine there was a guy who was real name uh, Abe Abner. He was, like, a... Major baseball star thing like uh, Hank Aaron level. He was like the baseball guy at the time. 
he was injured somehow, line drive to the chest or something like that. Basically, he had to retire from baseball. He turned to villainy because that's how comics work in the Golden Age. His powers, or rather, he became the villain known as Spitball. Uh, he basically has his face painted up like a baseball. He carries around baseballs and a baseball bat and basically terrorizes people uh, using them as projectiles. And that's basically all I've got for him. He would no longer be active because he's old as dirt by now. Okay. I dig it. Uh, I like the I like the baseball head thing. <laughs> I have a uh, cover slash villain who is related to the cover. Go ahead. So uh, my cover title is The Impossible Touchdown. And now you're going to know why I was asking you a ton of football questions. <laughs> uh, the scene is a college bowl game that was taking place near the end of the Silver Age. Um, the focus of the scene is on Bryce Winston, who was a freshman running back. And so what happened was that... Um, at this point in time, there's already been segregation in sports of like supers play in their own league and non-supers play in regular sports leagues. Uh, and no one knew Bryce had powers, not even Bryce, until he covered 60 yards in the final half second uh, to score the winning touchdown of the bowl game for a champion university where he attended. Um Due to the fact that he used powers, the ref ultimately declared the touchdown invalid. Uh, so not only did his university um, lose the game, Bryce also uh, was kicked off the team and lost his scholarship to attend the university because he was on a sports scholarship. Major oof. So naturally, he turned villainy. <laughs> uh, so his villain name... Um, is Snatch, uh, pronouns he, him, his. Uh, he's currently in his 40s. Uh, appearance, he's tall but fairly lean, was much more built during his football days, but doesn't maintain all the mass uh, mass anymore. Uh, he has the most ridiculous thief costume, dark hair that's a bit of a mess, and okay, he's basically the protagonist from Persona 5, but in his 40s. <laughs> uh, his powers are super speed, phasing, and gravity manipulation. So after his 15 minutes of fame as Bryce passed, uh, he rejoined the news as one of the major villains of the Bronze Age. He originally started just by um, doing robberies in like art galleries and jewelry stores, uh, but he worked his way up to more major heists. Uh, and his biggest claim to fame was infiltrating uh, government research centers, snatching new plans and weapon designs, and selling them on the black market to the highest bidders. Of course, he may have kept one or two for himself, and he is still at large and active. I like it. <laughs> I, I I'm glad that we're getting villains out of these super uh, out of these sports teams. <laughs> yeah, evidently sports just breed villains for some reason. Uh, Eve or Vanessa? Y'all got anything before 
before I say anything? No. I'm not good with sports, so I don't really have anything for sports. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of in the same area as her. I really, I don't know hardly anything about sports. We could probably guess that there's like an organization of like super powered, uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, super powered athletes. I told you I'm not good at sports. <laughs> Well, that actually, um, that's okay, because that leads into the, uh, the super sport that I created. Tell us more! Okay, uh, so I have, uh, the name of the sport is called Clutch, and it, uh, it, there is uh, two teams, and it consists of eight players um, on the field at once, uh, per, per side, uh, so total of 16. And there is uh, an area. It's about 200 yards apart. Uh, the goal, the uh, the goal, uh, yeah, the goals. That's what they are. The goals are, and there's uh, a goalie on each side for uh, protecting the goal. And their name are the Satyrs. So the Satyrs protect the goals from, uh, or yeah, from you scoring. Um, there are two centaurs that protect uh, kind of a certain area in front of the goal uh, so that, you know, they're trying to defend you against it. They're, uh, they can't enter the goal area because that's where the goalie is, or sorry, the, 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 the satyr is. Um, there is also water um, on both sides of the, uh, of the playing field that is considered part of the field, and it goes underneath the uh, the field as well, uh, where uh, there are two sirens, uh, as I call them, that are uh, basically the water characters. If a ball goes in the water, they can they can get it and toss it back, or they can shoot it into the goal, or they can you know traverse certain distance under the water that only the other sirens can uh, you know get them from. Uh, however the siren can only hold on to the ball for five seconds at a time in the water. Um, there are two songbirds that are up in the sky, which are the flying people. Uh, and they kind of do the same thing with, uh, that the sirens do only in the air. Uh, then there is uh, the Banshee. The Banshee plays uh, in the middle of the field. Uh, the bruiser, or sorry, the centaurs can go outside of the field. Everybody can play on the field at the same time. So the sirens and the songbirds can all be on the field. It's just these other people can't go into the air and water like they can. Uh, but the banshee are the quick people. They rush to the middle because it starts off like dodgeball. The clutch is in the middle of the field, and the banshees must run to get it. And then that's when the game begins. There's a few rules. Um, the the rules being, you know, if it's in the sky or if it's in that water, you can only hold on to it for five seconds at a time, and then you must pass it to a teammate. And there is, uh, it is, you know, rough, and there's fights in it and stuff like that. You know, you, you, you can use your powers, but the main thing is, if you get to the point to where you're, you're, you're severely hurting slash maiming the person, you've been disqualified and you will be kicked out of the game for the rest of the, the play. And you you will be fined a very large amount. Um, other than that, um, there's not really much else in the way of rules.
the the referees would be fly they would have a referee under the water and above in the air to make sure that these rules are enforced so we just made super quidditch right man dj i gotta give it up to you because that's a lot of a lot of detail i would not have gone into for a sport i basically just made a note that's the co- the cover for that for this focus was uh, clutch comes to town, and then I just said super powered sport. DJ will have to send me specifics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, also the uh, the clutch. Whenever you grab it, uh, this is kind of important. Uh, it kind of morphs to the grip of the person, so that you can hold on to it very well and pass it with ease. And it also uh, pulses a bright or a bright red, so that it can be seen in the air and under the water. Nice. That is a lot of detail. Uh, I c- I could have never done that for a sport, at least. So uh, so props to you, man. That's uh, that's going to be interesting because uh, now now I ha- now I have to run a clutch game during a session. <laughs> so <laughs> I think CC would be a perfect centaur. I'm excited because CC definitely plays this sport. <laughs> Please tell me we get to have a super-powered fight in the middle of the game. It's very possible, and and it's... And With the game just, like, continuing around us like nothing's happening. Oh, yeah, and it's very much uh, like hockey in the sense that until one of them kind of taps out or it gets way too rough, the refs don't stop it. It's part of it's part of the game. Now, once it's ended, they go to the... They, you know, they're, they're penalized for a certain amount of time. Awesome. Awesome. Does anybody else have anything to contribute to sports? Super sports, I should say. I, I had uh, something else pertaining to the other, like, regular sports. I would think that uh, superheroes cannot play with the mundane. Uh, so what other sports have done is they have created, like, a super league of each sport. Okay. Do we have a specific, uh, a specific like, organization that represents that I, I put I put I just kind of jotted down the National Clutch League because I figure they probably have their own their own league for clutch. Uh, but do we have like a like a uh, organization that represents other like super powered mundane sports? National Organization for Super Athletes, NOSA. All right. Love it. In that case, we are going to move on to our final focus, When Heroes Failed, which I believe is Vanessa's topic. Yes. You've got the lens, Vanessa. Guess I'll start off my own thing? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So basically my thing for When Heroes Fail is back in the, I want to say between like gold and silver in that like transitional area. God, once again, I don't have names for any things. But basically, there was a big fight between um, a hero at the time. Actually, I'm not going to say it was a fight. Basically, there was a villain who, at the time, wanted to bring down a satellite. So basically, we're in like America. Um, we had just recently launched a new satellite into space, and there was a villain who i'm gonna call firewall who just thought that this satellite was going to be used to monitor every like 
which is basically citizen in America. And so they set out to bring it crashing down back to Earth. And there was a hero who tried to stop this plan by fighting the villain, but because they were focused on stopping the villain and the villain had already started their like machine or whatever to pull the satellite down, the hero didn't stop it in time and the satellite crashed into a building uh in Zenith Bay, which was supposed to just be like a regular building, um, but it created a very not proportionate explosion, which has created a crater in the city, um, which is about the size of one city block um, and has since been turned into a lake and there has been a park built around it. All right. I have a couple of questions about about that. Um, Do you have a name for the hero? I do not. Okay. So we've got Crater Lake and we've got a park. And I'll just make notes of those things and we can name them. Uh, I mean, I, I, I Crater Lake sounds fine to me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then we can name uh, we can name the park as well later. All right. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I like it. OK. Does anyone else have anything ready that they would like to do? I do. Okay. So my scene takes place in the Bronze Age. The um, cover is on top of the Briar Building, which is a um, building that originally started off fairly modestly, uh, but kept growing in size to accommodate the rapid growth of its tenants for companies that deal with the infrastructure needs of a city of supers. So the scene's taking place on top of this really tall, prominent building in Zenith Bay. Uh, There's a villain named Chaos floating in the background. In the foreground is a hero named Firefly unmasked, leaning over the edge of of the building uh, with his fingertips just barely touching the fingertips of um, his boyfriend, Gerald Gott, as Firefly's grip fails and Gerald falls off the building towards Chaos's portal to who knows where below. Very sad. Very, very sad. Very, very sad. Um, So so we get two villains in one here. Uh, The first villain is Chaos. uh, Pronouns they, them, their theirs uh nobody knows how old they are um they're always cloaked in shadow whenever they're around so like nobody knows what they look like their powers are shadow manipulation memory control and portals to a dark realm they're never good news they don't really seem to have a motive beyond their name so if that secret organization is actually a thing they're probably in it and they just have a desire to spread fear and confusion to the masses they were most notably opposed by firefly they no longer do their own villain work instead focus on mentoring and developing descent into their image and descent as you may guess is our next villain who's the modern age who was originally gerald gott Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's bad. Heroes shouldn't fail, man. Um, so uh, Gerald is covered in shadow that's in like a very Venom symbiote kind of style. So sometimes you do actually see him himself, but then sometimes all the shadow takes over. Uh, he's fairly average height, African-American, and has like a five o'clock shadow all the time. 
Uh, his powers are shadow manipulation. He himself is also a portal to the Dark Realm, uh, and he has paralysis powers. Uh, so originally, after not being seen for like five years, Gerald reappeared as this twisted version of himself, Descent. They're very, Descent's chaotic and like mentally broken, but with moments of clarity that seem to be angry more than anything. And if Firefly appears, it seems to like, in almost no time at all, Descent will just fly into a blind rage. Uh, and Firefly is Adam Inns. He, him, his. They, he wears a black tactical pants and shirt with like yellow detailing and a backpack that has a light near the bottom, like a firefly butt. Uh, uh, and he had, had like a bug face, full face mask because it uh, was all about hiding his identity. Uh, has short-term light manipulation, energy redirection, and is a trained fighter. Uh, his status is retired in quotation marks after that event um, where, you know, originally Adam was trying to have it all, this life and a hero identity too. And then the entire thing with chaos happened and then descent appear. He just couldn't forgive himself for what happened to Gerald. So he was like, that's it. I quit. I retire. But anytime descent makes a comeback, you can bet Firefly will be there. So he's not really retired. He just tells himself he's retired. That is really awesome. So there's my tragic gay boy lovers. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept thinking uh, when you were talking about Firefly, like when you're a Janice and you roll a six or less on your wind time passes move. Yep. <laughs> Your entire life falls apart and your boyfriend turns into a villain. Just everything falls apart. And your boyfriend died. Does anyone have uh, anything they want to add or anyone want to go next? I've got an event I would like to throw out there. So building off of the uh, first contact on Zenith Beach, that was in the Silver Age. The way I'm imagining it happened is that alien force, the Golden Age paradigm, was sort of the one of the first people to step up and try to fight, like defend Earth from the alien invasion. If it's not too much, I feel like he probably died during that battle. And that was sort of like the transition from Golden Age Paradigm to Silver Age. Like when she took up the mantle and decided to fight on in his honor, sort of starting this paradigm tradition that continues on. That sounds cool. I don't know if that's technically a failure, because, I mean, eventually they succeeded, but like... Yeah, I mean, he still died, so... He failed because he died. So, looks like DJ has something. Yes. So during the during the Silver Age, there was a uh, a hero. He went by the name of Menagerie. Um, he had the ability to uh, transform into various um, uh, various animals, as well as it seemed that he was able to transform into these strange alien creatures that apparently he had contact with at some point so it's kind of a speculation that maybe he wasn't actually from earth 
Uh, so he was, there was a, um, a hostage situation with the, uh, with a very important person in, uh, like to the mundane society in Zenith Bay. And as he was in the process of trying to, uh, to save this uh this host this this woman uh who was the daughter of this important person um he was attacked by somebody that named that that called themselves uh the god flash and he struck down menagerie killing him with what can only be called uh the god killer which was uh an extremely uh extremely sharp and extremely bright radiant blade that was uh that seemed to just cut through him like nothing else and in one in one stroke menagerie was killed and so was the daughter of that important person i like it um has the god killer been seen since as far as we know no okay yeah, that's cool. Next is Eve. So I'm not entirely sure what else to put here because I feel like a lot of this has been fleshed out really well. Yeah, just to give it just to give it some perspective, we have 14, 14 full pages of of stuff. <laughs> like I'm I'm worried that anything that I'll that I add won't be as like as like full and like intense as everybody else is able to do. The only thing that I could think of would be like um, a sort of organization where, uh, because I don't know, this kind of the name of when heroes fail kind of got me. And I was like, what if there's like a secret group of like failed heroes where it's like, they want to work under the radar because their name and their powers and their like public persona has become so negatively stigmatized that now the only way that they can help people is if people don't know who they are. I think that's really cool. All right. So I'm tentatively just calling it the hero underground for now. I actually really love that. Well, there you guys go. That's my, my addition. Okay. And this, do you think this was established in the Bronze Age, or maybe it's more current? I would say, like, yeah, probably Bronze Age. Very cool. So I've I've got tagged on here at the end. Uh, any miscellaneous heroes or miscellaneous villains that you have ideas for in your head that you want to see in this world? And these can be as detailed as a full the the full bio that we've been trying to put with each of the created heroes and villains and also you know uh i should probably have a miscellaneous mundanes as well these can be as detailed as that or as simple as a single word premise like snake person (laughs) or uh so i have a few things two things i just want to voice two things I put in chat um, just so they're in the recording. Um, I came up with a name for that transformed who runs the like transform support group. Oh God, where'd I put it? Here we go. Uh, real name is Rocco Dixon. 
hero name was Armadillo because they have armor plates along their back and their special <laughs> thing was they would curl up into a ball and like hit people that way. But then yeah, they kind of fell apart. <laughs> I love Armadillo. Um, and then since you were looking for like a hero hate group, I came up with People Against Powers, also known as PAP, um, which is run by Tatiana Rutten, who is a vocal anti-super activist, um, like always there to try and pass like laws and things like that, restricting supers. I have uh, kind of a goof troop group. Uh, it's just it's just too. Uh... Well, I wouldn't really call them supers because they don't really do anything. They're just kind of goofy and King Lizard and the Gizzard Wizard. Okay, so I will make a note of them here. Uh, King Lizard is just a giant lizard that has a crown. And uh, the Gizzard Wizard is like a turkey-human combo that, like, tries magic. I love how these two are, like, explicitly not supers. But one of them is a giant lizard and the other is a magical (laughs) person. These guys are absolutely the morning radio hosts of the local radio station. Love it. Oh my god. You're listening to King Wizard and the Gizzard Wizard. It's like shock jock radio. I love it. Perfect. I love them. I love them already. Beautiful. All right. So uh, anybody else? I have a group of supers that go to our school. Um, I think the... The group as a whole is called Girl Power. They're kind of, they're like the mean girls of the school, and everyone in their group, their super name has to end with girl. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, do you have, do you have any, uh, any members of Girl Power? None that aren't dumb. Please tell me there's at least one boy in this girl group. There, yeah, there's... There's one boy, but his hero name still has to end with girl. Do they have, like, magical girl transformations? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, they have they have to now. Yes. yes. Those are the two requirements. You have to have a magical girl transformation, and your hero name has to end in girl. Gender doesn't matter, but you have to have those two things. Thank you so much for listening to our world-building episode. We hope you enjoyed this look into how Zenith Bay was created. This episode is a special reward for us reaching 10 patrons on Patreon. So special thanks goes to our first 10. Zachary McMillan, Lilth, Knight's End, Jazz, Batnut00, Anthony Sheets, Caitlin, Holly Ryan, Alice Kyra, and Ashley Coyle. Thank you all so much for your continued support. We look forward to making Paradigm Academy even better in the future. Paradigm Academy is produced and edited by me, Thomas Fleming. I can be found on Twitter at DorksideVO. The other voices you heard in this episode were those of Caitlin Cornell. She can be found on Twitter at SuperCaitlin1. DJ Giles, he can be found on Twitter at DocDuder. Weaver Randolph, she can be found on Twitter at a underscore apocalypse. Vanessa Haas, she can be found on Twitter at AlpacaMyBooks. And Andy Stade, he can be found on Twitter at AndyLion92. Paradigm Academy can be found on Twitter at ParadigmPod1. And we can be found on Patreon 
at patreon.com slash papod. Our theme music is Superpower Cool Dude by Kevin McLeod. Signalite was created by James Malloy and is a hack of the Microscope Tabletop Role-Playing Game, a collaborative world-building game created by Ben Robbins. Can I just go ahead? I have a feeling you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Uh, is it about the name? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the thing is that like with that name, uh, you are like her targeting a single hero away from a pat smear campaign. Yeah. I mean, my original thing was going to be PAS people against supers, but then I was like, no, cause she wouldn't call them supers cause she hates them. So that's why I went people against powers. I mean, I I love it. I love it. There needs to be an issue called the pap smear. For a second, I was scared because I thought you guys had a problem with the name Tatiana Rutten. I'm like, I used a random name gener- generator. No, I don't no. understand. <laughs> no, like literally you were just like, it's P-A-P, it's pap. And in my head, I was just like, like pap smear. <laughs>